Welcome to episode two of Sit Up Straight. Now today I'm going to be joined by Stuart Lawrence. For those of you that don't know Stuart, um, he is the brother of Stephen Lawrence, who was tragically murdered in 1993. And I'll let Stuart, when he arrives, tell you a little bit more about his story. Now, thank you to those that have um, sent in some questions. Um, I will do my best to put them to Stuart. Um, I know he's very comfortable talking about Stephen, and we're going to be talking all things about the current Black Lives Movement matter. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a really interesting opportunity that we've got us with us today, um, and I'm, I'm very, very honoured and very privileged to to be able to interview someone of Stuart's sort of stature and everything that he's done for the the Black community and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, he certainly made a difference, and I, I want to sort of press him on on some current issues and perhaps where we go from that. And hopefully we can get some answers and we can, you know, have a really interesting debate. Now, before we go and before Stuart arrives, the Stephen Lawrence case is something that we do cover in citizenship. Um, we do cover it when we look at theme B and theme C, which is the democracy in action and the law and justice module. And we look at the effects of Stephen's case and how that's impacted on British law. Now, by the end of this podcast, I'm hoping that all of you will know Stephen's story. And if not, I really look forward to teaching you this when it comes to the right time. Stephen was murdered because of the color of his skin. And there was no two ways about it. That's what ultimately the attack was about. Stephen was a black teenager and he was attacked by a group of white teenagers. It was a group versus one individual, and unfortunately for Stephen, he lost his life because of it. And it took Stephen's family a very, very long time to get justice. And even you know, from 1993 to 2020, Stephen's name's still in and around the press, and his family are continuing to fight and get recognition for equality for people who are black and equality for everybody. They've changed the justice system in some respects in many ways. Now we have got loads of questions to get through today and like I said thank you for sending those in. I do hope that we can get through all of them. Um, I'm not sure how much time Stuart has on his hands um, but we'll see. Now he's arrived so I'll let Stuart in and hopefully the technology keeps up to date with us. Hello. Hey, Stuart, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Bab. How's it going? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Just back-to-back -back meetings. Oh, I can imagine. A little bit busy at the moment. A little bit busy, but no, it's all good. So it's getting you through the day, though, right? A hundred percent. Listen, the base turn... I've, uh, I think, so far... The earliest I've been to bed in sort of like the last week is probably about half twelve, with the latest being sort of half past three. That's insane. Yeah. Intense, but as I said, it's, I'm 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 one of those people that I like working better at night time than during the day because I'm a bit of a night owl. Nice but work. yeah, it's it's just oof, yeah. As I said, it's uh, getting through it though. But like you know, I, I like I like to structure. I like to be busy. I like doing lots of things because then it does make feel like I'm actually contributing. And as I was saying to everyone, my diary was stuffed before COVID and then COVID happened and then it was just really empty. And I was just like, oh gosh, what am I going to do? Yeah. How am I my time? And, but yeah, it's, it's been filled immensely. It's been filled. Good. So. I, mean, um, I just want to start off by saying thank you for, for joining us today. Um, we... We, we look at Stephen's case in citizenship um, and it's something that I really wanted to sort of my pupils to cover. Um, you know, there's, there's so many parts of, of our syllabus where they're, they're shocked by sort of the history of what's gone on and they've had no idea about the past in our own country and never mind sort of further afield. Um, but can I just get you to start by just introducing yourself and sort of telling us a little about Stephen and, and then we'll our people to put for you. Yeah, so uh, Stuart Lawrence, uh, Stephen's younger brother. Um, so it was six. I was sixteen, and, and as I said, my life changed dramatically forever. And, and since that point going forward, 
what I like to say to people is I've tried, what I've tried to do is I've tried to have the mentor of asking myself this simple question, which would be, what would Stephen want me to do? So, <clears throat> you know, whenever I find it hard or I come to sort of a roadblock or something, I close my eyes and ask myself, you know, what would Stephen want me to do? How would Stephen want me to act? Because he was that ultimate older brother and he always would set a good example for me. And, you know, he was very good at all the things that he would do, sports, school, you know, friendship, groups, wearing the good latest clothes. So that admiration I had for him and the way he held and carried himself is something that I still think about today and try to live my life by and try to do the same for my younger sister as well. Because I have got a younger sister mm -hmm. who's uh, five years younger than me, but eight years younger than Stephen. So what when Stephen passed, I tried to make sure that I could, my sister could see me in the same light that I saw my brother in going sure. forward. I mean, you, you've got family as well, haven't you? You've got a younger son. Yeah, yeah. I've got a, a young son, nine, who's been homeschooled at the moment by my wife in the other room. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it, he's my life now. And I... It, I came to parenting a little bit later than some of my other friends did, but it's it's the best thing. You know, it's the reason why I get up in the morning and work as hard as I work because I want him to have the best life possible. I really do, and, yeah. and that's only going to happen if I make sure that I work as hard as I can to make his path as easy as possible. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of good things that have came out from from Stephen, um, yeah. and we're going to look at some of those later on, but. I just wanted to say that um, one of our teachers ran the, the London Marathon, um, I think it was last year or the year before, and her ultimate goal was to get to mile 18. And wow. Is it mile 18, I think? Yeah, yeah. so last year, it was, that was, because it seems so long ago now, because everything's gone, but yeah, so 2018, the London Marathon, we worked with London Marathon, and with some architect students, we, they allowed us to design the mile marker, the yeah. 18 mile marker. And so... Basically, to be an architect takes seven years. You know, the first couple of years, you don't get to do much. There isn't much exposure or opportunities to really hone your craft of being an architect. And so we realized this. And we, so we made this competition up for part one students to give them a really good step in their next part two before they go into their part three and to give them access to what it's like to be at part three before they even got there. So, yeah, this, this competition went around the country. All the universities were invited to take part. And, yeah, so three, uh, two girls and a guy won the competition to design Mile 18. And, yeah, that was just such an emotional thing. And it was, it was so – this year would have been even more emotional because we're still working with the London Marathon. And then this year they allowed us to design all the mile markers, mm -hmm. the whole race. So all 26 would have been designed by an architectural student in Stephen's name. And so for those things to happen, now I remember going to watch the marathon with Stephen. We used to get up early in the morning. Uh, we used to live in Woolwich. So that was like one of the main routes past. There's quite a few, there was a big water station by the army barracks. We used to go and help out, give out water to the runners. So what a full circle thing to be, Absolutely. you know, be there handing out water to these people. And all of a sudden now, people are running through these markers that's been built in Stephen's name. Do you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's crazy to, to what has happened since he's lost his life. And that's what I always try to say young, to young people. Like, yeah, something tragic really did happen. And we as a family, you know, have suffered some real hardships. But out of it, so much good has happened. It hasn't been in vain. And that's one Absolutely. of the positive things. Yeah. Lots of young people lose their lives through stupidness, through different things. But their names are not always remembered. By their families are remembered, but not by society or the mm. greater public. Yeah. That's, I mean, I mean that leads me on to. I mean, it was a couple of years ago that Theresa May gave you Stephen Lawrence Day, yeah. Um, and you know that I'm, I'm sure that was a sort of a very memorable moment for you. you yeah. Get recognition. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I and said so. My mum has always been fighting and working towards, and my dad as well, towards uh, this sort of goal of never allowing his name to be forgotten or never allow his name to be associated with just, oh, it was a black boy that was killed. And so she always had this thing about, you know, she wanted kids to learn about it. She wanted the lessons to be learned so no other family had to go through what we did as a family went through. So, yeah, in 2018, once it was announced, that was another major watershed moment because 
now as an organization as a, as a brand we're not just focusing on and we didn't always focus on london it wasn't that was never our focus but it just so happened that way you know where the trust was set up and our reach and we did work with other schools around the country but not really in a, in a sort of real uniform productive way and but this now has given us a brilliant vehicle to say to all schools look we're not about asking you to do anything that you don't do already, because that's also what it is. Schools are doing a wonderful job in trying to teach kids and educate kids, not just about those subjects in life, but just about life in itself and those, you know, the pitfalls and the joys that you go through life and how we need individuals who are who can articulate themselves and to give an argument for both sides sometimes or for one side that's not maybe not being heard in the room and to be able to affect people and change hearts and minds. That's that's what I believe the essence of education should, is all about. That's why... It's I, all I, education, I, isn't it? It's not just sort of your subjects. It's, it's the round yeah, individual. Yeah. I, for me, being a form tutor was better than being a subject teacher because you get to know their personalities, you get to know them, you get to know what they like and don't like. You get to see their hopes and dreams, especially if you have a form from year sevens right through to year 11, that transformation of students is amazing. And it's only now, after like 15 years, I'm able to look back and reach out to some of the students like that were in my form. And I'm just like, wow, look what you guys are doing. I, I knew that you'd be doing this. I'm surprised at what you're doing. It's just such a beautiful thing. It really is. I mean, that's, I mean we're looking at here. I mean, I'm up in Darlington at Wyvern Academy. And we, we've only got 500 pupils in the entire cohort from year 7 to 11. So we really can get to know everybody. And, and that's one of our main strengths at school, that we know people's stories and we can see them yeah. from year 7 right the way through to when they leave us at the end of year 11. Um, so, it, it, you know, it, it's remarkable what an education could It's not just the lessons. It's it, Like you say, it's, it's the life lessons that you learn from it. Um, I mean, giving us the space to do that as well, I think that's also... With all the pressures that we're under as teachers, I think that's all sometimes gets a little bit lost. You know that that is also part of our job. The 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 um, what's it called? The voc not vocational. The oh, what's it called? Oh, partial care. That's what I wanted to say. Part, yeah. The partial care of teaching is also super important, I believe, as well. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned there about sort of people knowing Stephen's name now and, and your family never letting Stephen's name be forgotten. If, yeah. if, if we move across the pond with, with what's going on currently with, with George Floyd, obviously social media has played a massive part in sort of getting George's name known across the world. Do you think if, if social media was around in sort of when Stephen was murdered, do you think that more people would have got that exposure to... I think with the George Floyd situation, and, and this is what I was saying to someone yesterday, which is, you know, we're, we're in a beautiful position now, and, and it can be a beautiful position, but it also can be quite negative as well, that anyone, anywhere in the world, if you have a smartphone, and if you have mobile data connection, can go live and show the rest of the world a window, an insight to what's happening at that moment in time somewhere. And that's, that's, that's a powerful thing because usually we have to wait for media outlets which are controlled by a group of people that may have a certain mindset or have a certain agenda. So therefore, that's all that we're seeing. So yeah, you know, I was saying, you know, who, who knows what would happen if camera phones and smartphones, you know, because there were people at the bus stop. There were people on the bus. So, you know, if someone saw something like that, the first thing people do is take their phones out and start recording because they want to go, they want to know that they have some sort of evidence to show someone what they saw. Yeah. So, yeah, it could have been and might have been completely different. You know, Will Smith said it, you know, racism isn't something new. It's just that we're now recording it all. That's, that's all that's, that's happening. Yeah, absolutely. There's just more attention on it, isn't it? it it's, it's always been there. It's just, it's more... It's more yeah. evidence. Um, yeah. When I was when I was doing some research for this, I mean, I came across John Barnes, you know, one of the first major black football players in England, and he said that he didn't experience racism; he just experienced racist incidents. Yeah. Um, is that something that you can sort of resonate with? Or? Yeah, and, and you know, before, so where I was brought up in southeast London, um, very multicultural. I lived on a housing estate, very multicultural. My primary school, very multicultural. Um, and I, I tell people all the time, I never, 
had anyone say anything to me where I had to go, oh, that was a bit funny. Why did they say that to me? I, I never knew racism or what it meant to be a racist incident until what had happened to Stephen. Now, mm -hmm. that might have been some of my naivety because I was only 16 at the time. Um, and I, I hear from my cousin who is 21, so he would have been five or six years older than me. His experience at school was slightly different from my experience where there was still elements of segregation where, you know, the black kids hanged around with the black kids and the white kids hanged around. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's taken time, but I think we was on a journey where it was getting better when it was my, my childhood. So I, I never, you know, where Stephen died, 200 metres from that, I, I, I used to walk down that road and take, that bus, take a bus up and down that road every Friday and Saturday night to go to my friend's house who lived 200 metres from where Stephen was stabbed. Mm. So it, it, it was crazy. You know, it, it wasn't an area where my parents would say, oh, no, you can't go to that area because it's a bad area or there's lots of racist people there because it wasn't like that. But, you know, I always say to people, kids are not born racist. You know, it's us adults or adults that teach kids about those things, those thoughts, those beliefs, those ways of doing things, those ways of acting, the ways of speaking. That comes from us adults. So it's so, learned behavior, isn't it? It's... Yeah, it's definitely learned behavior, 110%. I've, I've, I know for a fact, I go around to primary schools, I go around to secondary schools. Primary school kids, their filter is unrelentless. Like, they, they literally think it, see it, say it. Absolutely. Right. That, 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 that's them. Like, but but it's not offensive, time, though, is it? It's just, it's just, no, no, it's, it's no, not no. observations. It's, 100% because I believe if you don't know, if you don't ask questions, how are you going to know? If you've got something going in your head and you're like, I'm a bit, why? If you don't then go, ask the question. And that's why I always encourage my son, ask the question. I can see you've got something like, you, I can see the little face of yours. Ask the question. What don't you know? What do you want to find out? Because in asking questions, by exploring, by scratching the surface of things, that's how you learn. But we also learn by watching others as well. So they're, we need to be careful as adults of the way that we act, the way that we behave, the way that we do things, because little ears are always watching and listening. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that leads us nicely on to sort of all these, this debate that's gone on in the press recently about all of these statues that are up around the country, about perhaps that they've, again, perhaps had racist incidents, but not known for being racist. Yeah. I watched Good Morning Britain this morning and saying like statues of Winston Churchill and sort of George Washington. George Washington may have had sort of things to do with the slave trade, but is known as the founding father of America. He's not known as predominantly being a racist. So the yeah. the, the, the removal of all these statues is sort of where where would you draw the line? Is it is it a clear cut? Have they had racist incidents? Yes, remove them, or is it a case of you know, because there's so many incidences and statues with saying, well, he's had one incident of this and he said that once and they've sneezed that wrong yeah. way. One racist incident is okay. Two or three is really bad. You've got removed. So, so my, my point here is this, you know, who, who, who writes the history to say whether they're a good person or a bad person? Who writes that history? You know, because... Surely that then dictates what we know about that person or don't know about that person. And, and that's also what this is. The narrative for black people, I'm afraid, for a long time, hasn't been a positive, good narrative, even though there are some amazing, beautiful, productive, you know, groundbreaking people of colour. Mm -hmm. And, and that's my point. You know, I, I sat there, and, and this is why homeschooling has been so good for me. So I sat there listening to my son, learning about the kings and queens of this country. I asked myself this question. Why does my son at nine years old need to know what the difference between King Richard II, King Richard III, Henry VIII, Henry VII, why does he need to know all the differences between the kings and queens? And, and that's for me about preserving the monarchy, preserving mm. the queen. So therefore, when he sees the queen in, his, in her, all her regal, he understands the importance of her. So the same way that we're teaching kids about that is the same way that we need to be teaching kids about everything. 
Mm-hmm. We can't pick and choose. You know, we're only going to tell them the good bits about here. We're not going to tell them about. We've got to tell them everything because, that's the, I, in my opinion, history is about you know the good side, the bad side, and what is your opinion of how you think it lies. That's what history is about for me. And but the history can only be told by those that survive it as well. Yeah, I mean, so, that's one of the good things about being an English teacher. When we look at literature, we look at the context behind maybe a poem or a book. I love delving into it, and I think it's important to cover the history. And You know, we, we do a poem, um, Checking Out Me History, John Agard, if you're familiar with him. And um, he, his poem is a criticism of the British education system that there's not enough black history. Yeah. Uh, he says, you know, we can learn nursery rhymes about Dick Whittington, and, you know, we can learn all of these things about going to the moon. But people like Nanny de Maroon and all of these um, inspirational black, black people who, who have done something, medical workers, health workers, you know, slave trades, abolishing things, we don't learn about that. It's yeah. sort of it, here is the white history. This is what's important for you. And his poem is just a very big criticism of, of the educational system there. And it, and it led me to think about whether or not we, we fail to teach about that. You know, if we, if we look back at textbooks and I was having a, a, a debate with my colleagues the other day about racism, even though it exists, people might not think it exists in, in the way it does. And I phrase it like this of if I walk to the shops and I, I want to get a birthday card for my niece, I can go and find one with a white princess on yeah. the card. And I would probably have to visit maybe six, seven, eight shops, a specialist shop to find a princess with a, with a black girl on. Yeah, that's true. And just th- things like that. When I'd actually sat down and thought about it, even though you know it, it's something that I, I advocate, I thought that's where it exists and it, it's hidden. Yeah, in, man, in, in it's, I'll give you another yeah. example: um, band aids, plasters. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. only now that they have brought out plasters of different skin tones. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. We had that same debate, and it's. It, it, it's and mad that even you know, things like that are unnoticed. Yeah, but it's, it's and, but that's that's also what I'm saying, and, and and what I don't want this to be or to this to come across as as I have a problem or I have a chip on my shoulder because I don't I don't have a problem with what's happened beforehand. I sorry, no, not not I don't I have a, an issue with what's happened beforehand, but I've not allowed that issue to make it, it to be a chip on my shoulder where I feel like I'm a victim. And the whole world's against me, and it's unfair. I don't think like that, and it's 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 very easy for it'd be very easy for me to go. Oh yeah, it's like what I am saying is now that we have this chance and this realization and, and this awakening that everyone's now had, let us do something about it. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, it is wrong. You know, it's it's and it's so deep rooted, and it's policies, and it's institution, and it's establishments, and it's government. It's been going on such for such a long time in such a, a way that some people haven't seen, whereas other people have always seen it. That's also what this is. You know, I, I, we've all, uh, as a black person, I've been going through this since I've, I've had that realisation about my skin colour and how other people perceive, look at me, think of me just because of the colour of my skin. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, so, that, that leads on to, I mean... We mentioned earlier that there was lots of things that came out of sort of Stephen's death and sort of the change that you and sort of your mother and your family have have advocated for. I mean, I, I, when I teach it, we look at the McPherson report and we look at sort of the the seventy changes that they recommended. Now, to my recollection, most of, if not all of them, have been implemented in in some form, um, but still, sort of bits and pieces. There's been attempts, I do believe, that they, and and. Yeah, there's been attempts. I, I would say attempts have been made. Do have they been fully integrated into the whole of society? And and this is also a little bit of a caveat where people say, well, yeah, look, Stu, it's, it's more diverse, and and it's, there's more people of color around, and you know, it's more open opportunities for everyone. That's only stage one. Yeah, that's only stage one. My my question, which goes back to this whole thing about policies, you know rules, laws, institutions, practices, the way things have been done. If you've always done things a particular way, just because you've got some people of colour in your establishment doesn't mean things have changed. Absolutely. It just means you've got some people of colour inside your establishment. Their lived experience 
through your establishment is what we need to be checking in with. Mm-hmm. When which companies don't do, you know, if you, if you ask a company how diverse they are, they can give you stats and figures of how many people, but no one does the checking or finding out of what is their lived experience in that company like. Mm-hmm. You know, so it'd be really good to to, to look at one of the big multi um, multi billion pound corporations and say, let's find an individual who's been at this company say twenty years, and let's ask them what their experience has been in that company and how many times. They've been in an incident where they thought, you know, it's, and that's also what it is as well, because you question yourself as a black person. You question yourself. Now, did that just really happen? And was that, was that someone saying the, the, the questions and the way that you have to break things down is almost soul destroying at times because you then come to a point of asking yourself, well, do you want to rock the boat? Do I want to be the person to rock the boat? And if that job's your livelihood that you put food on the table for your children, and you don't know by rocking the boat whether you'll still have a job or not. You're not going to rock the boat. You're going to you're going to you're going to swallow it and go. Do you know what? I've got, for the greater good, I just need to. I need my job. Yeah, and, and on the, on the basis of that, sort of swallowing your pride and sort of just getting on with things. When I was looking at it, I mean, I know that you've been sort of stopped and searched by by police numerous times because of yeah. you know inherently the colour of your skin. Um, And when I looked at some research from sort of the McPherson report, still, even though there's sort of these protocols and these suggested amendments and the sort of they're they're attempting to get things better. In in some regions, people who are black are 29 more times likely to get stopped and searched from the police because they fit the description of somebody in that area. I mean, what's your experience with with stop and search? So, so the, the, my, my, the clearest way I can indice- indicate this for the, for the experience is this. There's two things I can say. The first thing is I've been stopped less than a meter from parking my car at my house. So I was coming down the road. The police car was coming back the opposite direction from me. Okay. The policeman looked at me. Okay. I looked at him. Okay. And then the cars passed. I mean that's then, isn't it? It's it's not it's 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 momentary glance of yeah yeah. Now he didn't even check my number plate because if he checked his number plate, he would have realised that car was going into its into its where it was registered to be kept. Mm-hmm. And even if he thought, I don't know who's in the car. Obviously, common sense then tells you if the car's going back to where it's been kept, then nine times out of ten, that's probably going to be the owner of the car. He didn't even do the check. He spun the car around. He pulled up, and the first question is, why are you stopping me? Uh, I was like, dude, you didn't even do a VIN check. If you had done the VIN check, you would have known the car was associated of this establishment where I'm getting out now to go into my house. And how, how, how long ago was this? Uh, so Theo is nine. This would have been about six years ago. That, and this is probably the last time I've been stopped, about six years but ago. But still, that, that's fairly recent. It's... You know, we've got the technology there to 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 check. You know, it's it's not like and, and that's why. But again, you know, and the, and uh, the, it was a white officer and it was an Asian officer, and um, it's just the way that he was speaking to me. I really didn't appreciate. And, and and this is this is also you know, I know that if I'm stopped, I don't raise my temp my temper, I don't scream and shout, I don't get in no one's face because. That is a liable for them to say they feel threatened. Once yeah. they feel this person feels threatened, then a whole set of powers then they can use and resource and everything. And it's, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, and, and when I turned to the Asian officers and said, "Are you? Can you understand why he's speaking to me like this? Because I'm not being rude or aggressive, and I don't appreciate. He's not doing nothing wrong. Mm. And it's the vindication of the acceptance and." It's only now that I've done more research and more into investigation to all this. The police force, you know, with the best intentions of the world, the problem is when you're a new recruit, they send you out with more established or experienced coppers to go out with. Mm-hmm. Well, if that more experienced copper has a slant, slight slanted view on the way he feels that like things should be done, then he's passed that on to the younger generation. That's it. And so, so back to that learned behavior idea again, isn't it? It's just... There you go. So therefore, all we're doing is just operating the problem because it's inherent. It's in your institution. Unless you go in and weed it all out, 
it will always be in your institution and it always will then have a way of being passed on to someone else. Absolutely. I mean, what, what, what's a, 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 bit, a real shame? I mean, the reason why all of this is back in the news again is because somebody's had to have died for people to raise the issue again. I mean, you know, I've done the reading. There was last week. There was the sort of the blackout Tuesday across social yep. media, and it, it just worries me that people sort of jump on the bandwagon whilst they're supporting the cause and raising awareness about it. Where are they the other three hundred and sixty-four days of the year when when something needs to happen? You know, I mean, people tweeting and support George Floyd and rightly so, but just because you post one square on Instagram or Twitter or wherever. Then there's the people that jump in with the protests and rightly protesting, and then you've got the rioters and the looters. And again, are you, are you worried that perhaps the whole idea of the, the incidents from George Floyd and sort of the atrocities that have come from that, the fact that this message of actually supporting the hashtag Black Lives Matter is being lost because all we're talking about now is graffiti and criminal damage and the fact that we've it, it's losing it. Oh diluting the process of what we're actually talking about isn't it yep definitely and it goes again with the media outlets and the narrative of the story and that's why i understand people are upset i understand that they're frustrated i understand that it comes to a point where you feel like well what else can i do i would ask from the bottom of my heart that if you feel like you're the most excitable person you can't contain yourself stay in your house mm -hmm. don't go nowhere Post on social media, yeah. rant on the phone to your friends, do that. Because at this moment in time, we need to ensure the message is absolutely clear. And for me, the message is, my son will not fight this fight. This is my fight, and mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure that I'm... I know it's not going to be a sprint, it's not going to be a short thing. I know this is a marathon, but I am in this for the long haul. And yes, we need people to protest. Yes, we need people to be upset. But we all need to be mindful of the message of how things are being done. The beautiful example you can give anyone is Martin X, sorry, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Malcolm X at first hated Martin Luther King. He thought he was too soft. He was like, you're never going to make no progress to doing this. You know, you've got to be, got to be standing up for yourself, be more aggressive. But it wasn't until Malcolm went to Mecca and came back, he then realized and said, do you know what? Martin has got it right. Yeah, we can kick, we can scream, but they're not going to listen. It's only when you sit down and you really have an in-depth, true conversation with someone and share your point of view and let them talk and then you talk and have that dialogue is when things will truly change. And that's what this is now. We're at a point where we can enforce real change. We can because the whole world is paused and life that normally would be going on isn't going on. So while we've got this time, let us solve a huge world problem right now. Because this isn't an insulated problem just for England or just for United Kingdom. It's a worldwide problem. You can see that by all the protests around the world. Mm -hmm. You can see that also by the mixture of people that are protesting. An interesting fact I like to bring up to students, which is, as a black person in this country, as a percentage, we are 3%. How's a minority of 3% going to convince the other 90%, 97%, sorry, that we are equal, we matter, we have a voice, we have a point of view, we need to be treated exactly the same as the rest of the 97%. If we don't ask some of the other 90% to get on board and help us with this fight. No, you're absolutely right there. I mean, uh, as I, I mean, it's, it's all over the news outlets and it's all over sort of social media. And I, I was watching Good Morning Britain this morning and they'd had a debate between sort of a white man and a black man and they were talking about sort of current TV shows and they were saying things like um, David Williams has come out and apologised for the sketches he's done in Little Britain. Um, Keith Lemon came out last week where he'd apologized for some of the sketches in, in Bo Selector. Um, and then it's the saying uh, little Britain's been removed from Netflix and iPlayer and everything oh, wow. because, um, of the characters that are portrayed in, in little Britain. Um, but then, you know, but, Peter Morgan no, and Cameron said, sorry, 
in Little Britain, he d- he does a disabled. There's a joke about a disabled person as well. So yeah, and and comedy is satire, and I just think we, we as long as as long as I don't know, I may be speaking out of turn here, but as long as they're not going around saying this is what I truly believe, I just think sometimes laughter can be a really great way to approach a difficult subject. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the point. I mean, this they said. I mean. In there's, there's lots of people boycotting Friends at the moment because there's trans and homophobia references throughout. Sort of, I mean, it's nineties comedy, and it's not that it makes it okay now. And some people might be uncomfortable watching that now. But yeah. there's people boycotting that to be removed. Um, and it's it's it, again it's, we go back to where do we draw the line? Is it if they've made one reference to it, do you pull the plug and it's completely forgotten from the ether? Or and it. it it, it it does. I mean, like I say, it, it it gets to the point where we're starting to dilute the message here that you know it's the if you watch every TV show, if you watch EastEnders, Coronation Street, there will be a joke in there across the fifty years they've been on television. If you watch the news from sort of start to finish, there will be something in there that's uncomfortable to watch. And it, it again, it's it's kind of where where do you draw this sort of? Is it a yes or a no? Is it sort of an absolute offence? Either you have done it or you haven't done it, and if you have. But then, yeah. what, what are we left with? It's, you know, like you say, it's satire. It, it's not meant to offend. It's meant to sort of bring light to a, a situation. And yeah, you know, te- teaching incidences through humour, like you say, yeah, is sometimes the better way than than others. But it's it's just, yeah. you know, and and you know, they were quite having quite a heated debate about it, and it was just, I, I for me, it. it it's starting to feel like if, if we're going down that road, again, we're sort of losing the message. We're sort of losing the point. My point and message is this. We need to change institutions, establishments, governments, policy, where it blatantly, disproportionately affects one type of person rather than another. That's what we need to do. Yeah. And I think... That it is important to recognise things that's happened before. Of course it is. But what? how are we going to change the things now that have happened before? Mm-hmm. We can't change them. We need to lose them as lessons to be learnt from and move forward in a positive, productive way, which is, like I said, ensuring that the lessons that we've learnt from this... Sorry, one second. Oh, I'll take one second. So, yeah, the lessons that we've learnt from this are lessons for the betterment of our future. That, yeah. That's all we can do. We can't go back and change the past. It's happened. You know, learn from it. Don't do it again. That's, that's what we've got to do. Otherwise, we're going to spend, and, and this is also what happens, you know, you know, when Stevens died, we were told, watershed moment, things are going to change. We're moving forward. Uh, Mark Duggan died again, watershed moment. Every time one of these deaths happen, that gets noted and spoke about. Watershed moment. I'm fed up of talking about it. I'm fed up of talking about it. Let's get round the table. Let's implement true and effective change so that the world is a better place. That's That's it. It shouldn't take somebody to die for for policies and sort of change to happen. Like you say, it should just be, let's just get together and solve the issues that we know have happened in the past so we yep. can pre- prevent them from happening again in the future so nobody has to die in the future. And I, like you say, I think this is where it's getting a bit diluted and it, it, I, I worry that it's losing its... Uh, it'll go on for maybe six, seven, eight days, a week, two weeks, and then people will go back to, it didn't happen. You know, it, it's yep. gone now. And then, yep. unfortunately, six months, a year down the line, someone else will have to die and go, oh, yes, you know, we support that again now. But, yeah. You know, where are these policymakers that are looking at this change? And, you know, cool. And that, that's what that's what my message is. I, I, I want to get around the table with cha- leaders. Boris Johnson, you know, Sadiq Khan said something in London about the same. Cool. It's all well and good you saying these things, but it's about you as leaders, as adults, going out there, finding the people, getting those people on board to effect change. The rest of it is just lip service. Don't just talk about it. Actually, physically go and do something about it and then talk about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, just a news bite. 
it's just lip service. And at the moment, I'm not dealing with lip service no more. I've been there, done that. I've been talking about this. I really, really have been for a long time. And, and as I said, the talking's done now. Time's for action. Time's for action, implementation, and actual real change. That's when people like myself will go, oh, I'm relaxed. I can get back yeah. to my normal life. Focus on my son and making sure that he's the perfect, best individual that he could possibly be. Because that's what I should be doing right now. But I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm... How, how much is he aware of what's, what's going on? Does he understand sort of anything that's... Yeah. Needed? There's, there's, there's a couple of points there. You know, he, he's nine. Uh, so he's, he's getting... So we were sitting down, and this is also what's going to show, and I'm a little bit upset with a few news outlets about the way they do things. So we were sitting down, watching dinner, news was on because, you know, like most caring individuals, we're trying to watch what they said about the COVID and make sure we're doing the right things and all the messages about there. And then they moved on from COVID and started to talk about this. And then from the time the news reporter spoke about it, when they showed the video, must have been about a minute. Mm. Now, I couldn't find the remote quick enough. I was like, mm -hmm. like, and then my son's looking at the TV, looking at us like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Like, that we turned it off, but like we've had to have that conversation with him about that sort of stuff, like and speak to him about it and explain to him that you know the gentleman lost his life, the policeman, the policeman did it was a wrong person, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I should not be having to have that conversation with my son yet. No, no, you shouldn't have to have that conversation at all. Never mind, sort of. Yeah, and, and I'm not. My conversation with my son around this is this: Do you feel different? And he says, No, I don't feel different. Cool. The day someone says. Something to you that makes you feel different, says something to that you are different. You come and tell me who the person is and what they said. Because mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned, as far as your mum's concerned, you are not different. You're exactly the same as everyone else. You have the same rights as everyone else. You can behave the same way as everyone else. No one has the right to tell you, no, you can't do something. Unless you're misbehaving, you're doing something wrong. So mm -hmm. if you're doing something wrong, then of course they can tell you not to do it. But as long as you're behaving yourself and you're doing the right thing, no one has the right to say to you, you cannot. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a message for everybody, isn't it? Regardless of the colour of your skin. It's... 100%. 100%. That's the, my message for everyone. Everyone is equal. Everyone should be treated the same. You know, my mum always says to me, treat people like how you'd like to be treated. And what you what's your mum's current view on this, if, if you don't mind me? Yeah, she, she's, she's super upset and she's... Um, I can imagine it's bringing back a lot of memories and sort of... Yeah, past and, it, 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 and, it, and it does. And, it, and the thing about it, it brings up memories and it's spoken about in a way where it's, it's, it's hard. It's super hard because, you know, I heard John Boyega, you know, call out Steve and, and the injustice that happened. Those sort of things just go like, wow, like, is it, is it really that... Is, it's, I'm, I'm, are we that? And it's not. It wasn't until sort of like a year ago where I went to a school, and this is October, and we're doing sort of black. I'm doing my Black History stuff, and on the board it said Black History Month. Here are Black History heroes, and it had a picture of Stephen. It had a picture of my mum. It had a picture of my dad, and it had a picture of Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King. And I thought, sat there and I looked at it, and I thought to myself, Wow, yeah. We are actually part of black history. Like, the black history that gets spoken about in this country, we're part of it. And it was just then, it was like a real weird realisation after all the years of me teaching black history in my own school. And, but it's all American. It's mm -hmm. all American. You know, we don't celebrate the black history from our own country, the black heroes, the heroines from our own country. And... I was just like, wow, that's what we need to do more about. And that will then give it relevance. And that will then get people to understand that it is important. Because if you speak to most of the black kids about black history, they'll tell you, well, it doesn't relate to us. We don't, it's about Americans. Like, I'm not American. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we've got to find ways to give them the ability to feel connected to the past. And this is not just black kids as well. This is everyone. We all need to get all the kids to understand how we connect to this part and the lessons that we've learned from it and the why it was wrong and why we're not going to behave or act that way again. That's what we need to learn. That's what it's we need to bring a mind to it, isn't it? It's hundred percent. hundred percent. Like you say, what we're saying is we don't want all of these to be like flashes in the pan, sort of 60 seconds no. and put back into the drive and that's it. You've, you've forgotten about 
you know, yeah. and maybe in five years' time, I might replay it once in a PHSE session and sort of tutor time for yeah. five minutes. It, it, it's about bringing sort of what's happened in the past so we can enforce the future. You know, we've got to look yeah. at that to enforce change. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I came across something, I mean, there was lots of people kicking fuss up on social media about sort of Black Lives Matter and saying, well, all lives matter. Um, and I came across a quote, I don't know whether you had a look at the, the questions before I'd... Um, came on and i'll just read the quote to you so people who are listening can can uh, sort of adhere to it and it says if my wife comes to me in obvious pain and asks do you love me an answer of i love everybody would be truthful but also hurtful and cruel at that moment and if a co-worker comes to me upset and says my father's just died a response of well everyone's parents die would be truthful but hurtful in that moment so when a friend speaks up in a time of obvious pain and hurt and says black lives matter and everyone says all lives matter it's truthful, but it's also hurtful and cruel at the same moment. And I thought, that's a really powerful statement there to say, yes, all lives matter. But, you know, as, as, a, as a white man, I've never had to worry about sort of being attacked on the streets because of the color of my skin. I've never been in fear of anything of being stopped and searched illegally because of, I've done something wrong because I fit the character profile of somebody. And it's, again, that, that sort of diluting the movement of what, what, what's intended from all of the, if something good is going to come from this fallout, it has to be focused on the intended purpose. It can't be, yes, that, but then we'll do B, C, D, E, F, G. Focus on that. Get that right first before we start looking, because I don't have to fight for sort of the colour of my skin because, mm. you know, it, it's it's how society is. Yeah, but yeah. Un- unfortunately, you know, people who are black are still fighting for that equality, which, you know, we, the human rights have been around for 800 years. We've... We, we shouldn't have this conversation in 2020, in my opinion. And it's like, yeah. when, when I put this together, I thought, yes, you know, absolutely honoured to speak to you. But is it like, why, why, why should we have to bring this conversation to light again? Yeah. You know, I mean, you should have done this once uh, with Stephen, yeah. you know, all of the sort of the inequalities yeah. of race there, done. Change involved, change happens, tick it off the box, move on with your life. Whereas now, because of the issue of skin colour again, you know, and but that's that's what it is, though, isn't it? And and but that's that's my hope. This is what we can't eliminate from all this, which is hope. And um, my, my biggest encouragement is to see a so many young people, but b the the cross section of people who are, this has gone. Hold on a minute now, guys. This is absolutely ridiculous. I feel quite embarrassed as an adult that young people are having to mobilize and do something about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's then holding us all adults to account of why haven't we done something about it? So I feel quite embarrassed about that we are having to talk about this and that this is an issue. But you're right. It's a time of need. It's a distress call. Yes, all like, and, and I did the same. I, 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 when this first happened, and for reasons which, you know, maybe another time we can discuss and, and talk about, I put down, I sent a tweet out, RRP George Floyd, hashtag Black Matters, hashtag All Lives Matter. And it wasn't until I watched Beverly Knight's post on Instagram and she spoke about the same analogy where our house is on fire at the moment, guys. And I'm saying to you, yes, all houses are important, but my house is on fire mm-hmm. and I need your help. That's what it is at the moment. And until the fire is put out, it is a, something that we need to sort out and do. We need to use, like I keep on saying, this moment in time where we are not living our normal lives. Mm-hmm. Right about now, today, Wednesday, at 10 to 11, I would normally be at school teaching my lesson with my year 10s or 11s, whoever it is. That's what I'd be normally... We're not doing normal at the moment. We're trying to find a new type of normal. And for me, while we're in that mind space, a new type of normal would be nice that says everyone is important. Black lives do matter. They are as important as any other race, as any other creed. So therefore, they deserve to have a life where they don't need to worry about... Because it's something you can't change as well. It's something you can't hide. I can't hide that I'm black. I can hide on the other end of a telephone call. You know, that's happened to me a couple of times where I've spoken to someone on the phone. They've heard me speak, and when I've turned up, Oh, you're a black guy. Mm. Why are you surprised? Oh, because you're. Ta- what? Because what, what, I speak 
politely and, and the Queen's English and I don't talk like the, the roadman off the side of the road. It, it's, it's, it's those sort of things that we need to make sure that are changed, that everyone has the equal right to do whatever they wish to do. And as long as they're good, upstanding citizens that want to contribute, then give them a fair crack of the whip. Absolutely. I mean, what you were saying there about about the house on fire and sort of saying, yeah, all houses matter. I mean, it's the same from for the pupils I'm trying to put into a perspective of the Australian bushfires, perhaps. Yeah. You know, Australia's on fire. Well, the Amazon's important, so all forests matter. Yeah. We need to focus on the one that's on fire at the moment because they're the one in trouble. Yeah. They're the one that have sort of got the problem. Yeah. It, it is the same. It's, you know, it, yes, all lives matter and everyone's free to live a life in peace and harmony and so on. But again, I, I don't have to fight for for my privilege, and it's it's the, again the movement needs to be focused on what's important. And the fact is, yeah. white men, white females, aren't under threat at the moment. You know, yeah. it, George Floyd was a black man, and he suffered at the hands of a white police officer. Yeah, well, I mean, do you think perhaps the uproar would have been different if it was a, a black police officer and a white detainee? Do you think there would have been a similar See, I, outcry. Yeah, I think the problem, the problem with the police, because this is you know I, 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 the analogy I use here is you know in in countries where there isn't much. So, for instance, in Africa, mainly black people. So, therefore, the police force is mainly black. Is there problems in the African police force? Yes, there is corruption, abuse of power. That's where that institution mm -hmm. has problems. So. We need to look at that institution. We need to work out why it has this problem, and then we need to fix it. That's what we need to do. And that's why I'm saying to you, it's a policy, it's a procedure, it's an inherent way of doing things that we've always done that we now need to change. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's all it's all about. I mean, I've so, started working with um, the Association of Citizenship Teachers, and we're looking at how, how can we implement, a, at least at a subsidiary level at school, how can we implement a curriculum that focuses on everything that we need to do? So if you want to sit around sort of our table, so to speak, if we can use that analogy, of course, socially distance tabling, you know, let, 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 let's put a policy together. Let's put a, a curriculum that matters together. So that's at least that sort of box is ticked and we can do something about it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I'm sure people at sort of your foundation would sort of welcome the chance at sort of creating some oh, again. Yeah. If you, not not using Stephen's name to sort of raise the profile, but at least doing something in Stephen's name that remembers exactly what you were saying at the start, you know, the big brother that was caring, that was sort of always wanting to do something positive. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 if, we, if we can do something small at the very start and then watch it grow. Yeah, definitely. No, absolutely, because th this, it needs to change. And I'm very much with you that something needs to be done. And now is as good as time at any time because why wait five years? Why wait 10 years? Why, you know, why wait for something else to happen? Yeah. Something has happened. Let, let, let's, let's start the ball. Let's start that snowflake into a snowball, into an avalanche. hundred 100%, 100%. And, but that's why I'm saying, you know, another interesting one is like, lots of people ask, why don't we learn, learn it in our syllabus? Why can't we learn it at GCSE? Well, it would be beautiful. Like in history, history as a GCSE on A-level like, I just keep on saying, like, I thought history is about giving someone the skills and techniques and tools to be able to investigate, go away, research uh, arguments for, against, newspapers, papers, books, people about a particular topic, and then summarize that topic, showing arguments for and against, and then coming to a conclusion of where you stand in that topic. Well, brilliant. Then allow the students to research whatever topic they want. That then gives them a sense of ownership. So if they want to go and research, you know, where does my family number name come from, they they can do that in the context of a GCSE, you know, in the context of school, in the context of learning and making themselves a more rounded individual. So you know, I'm I'm really hopeful that I can, as I said, with the platform that I have, with the people that I know, start to speak to these institutions and these businesses and say to them, look, why can't you do this? What is the problem in doing that? 
you know, where, where, where's the pitfalls of, of that, that life? Because I can't see no pitfalls because the students are still learning the skills that you need to learn. They still have an aptitude of showing that they are a good historian and they can have a good argument. So therefore, why can we not base it around that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in citizenship, we, we do do something similar to that. We have a, an active citizenship project. Yeah. Uh, and they are free to choose whatever they want and run with it. But the exam board set it up as sort of enforced at local level, at community yeah. level. And great, you know, if we change the community, that's wonderful. But some of these issues need to be widespread. It's it's not, if it's happened to my community, it happens in your community. If it, yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah, I mean, that, that would be something to sort of shoot the wind at and um, put some ideas down on paper. But I would definitely yeah. welcome that. Uh, opportunity and there as well we as educators are, i don't know if you've seen the stuff about jean elliott uh the jean elliott stuff that she's done now no. she's a work woman you know she's done she did an experiment she uh where she in her classroom to get her kids to understand about racism because it was a mainly white it was a it was a 100 oh classroom. was this the doll experiment sorry was this the doll experiment with the white doll and the black doll no, no. This oh. was, I don't I've done that one as well, but this was the experiment where she, she said, if you've got black brown eyes, you sit on one side of the class, but if you've got blue eyes, you sit on the other side it's of the class. It's the old sort of Jane Brown study from the 70s, I think. I did it in a psychology experiment of, you know, those with sort of brown eyes are the, the, the rotten apples and you don't speak yep. to them and you treat them differently and the blue eyes get yep. extra play time and they get, yeah. Yes. We, we've looked at the sort of the social experiments that and, you know, it's, it's amazing how quickly that idea starts to take hold of someone. But again, we go back to the point of that's learned behavior. If you're taught yeah. to do something because of yeah. eye color, hair color, height, yeah. weight, skin color, yeah. and that's what you're going to believe. And, yeah. you know, some, some people will openly defend themselves. So, yeah, but my opinion is right. Yeah, well, you know, definitely. That's what they've been brought up with in the same way of, well, my opinion is that that's wrong because that's how yeah. I've been brought up. Yeah. And it's... Yeah, it's extent we've got to teach yeah, everybody. Yeah, meet in the common ground of the middle of saying, okay, cool, I can understand your point of view. You've not changed my mind, but I understand your point of view. That's the bit that we need to teach young people. Yeah. I'm asking for you overnight to change your point of your fundamental essence of who you are as a person. I'm asking you to have empathy for someone else walk a mile in another man's shoes and then tell me about the man that's yeah. what we're asking to do. and that's what i'm saying as educators i believe that's our job to do for the young people to show them look there's going to be times where you're going to think something someone else is going to think something else and all i'm asking you to do is to consider what the other person's saying how they feel what they say why are they saying that and just experience that for a while before you say yeah, do you know what? I'm going to stick with my own point of view because I still think that's right. Because sometimes it's, people are too quick to go, ah, yes, but. Yeah. And they jump in without thinking about it. Yeah. Because it, it's, it, they perceive it as, a, as an argument rather than as a discussion. Sure do, definitely. And, and you know, I think that's the, the key message there on, like you say, have empathy with people and understand them. You don't have to agree with them. No. You know, there's going to be, we're, we're free to believe and disagree and agree on certain issues, but. And where where that person's coming from and why they're coming from that position, and it, yeah, it's it's yeah. There's, I mean, we could spend hours and hours sort of deliberating the ins and outs of of everything, but um, I won't keep you for much longer because I know I've taken up an hour of your time, and I know you've got probably yeah. an action packed day. Um, but honestly, th thank you so much for, yeah. for for joining me, and I'd certainly like to do it again, sort of sometime <laughs> in the distant future, Sue. So, um, to start. This time, it's involved this time as well. Be great because absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, if well, once we can do that, yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you do school visits or do you? Yeah, I do do school visits, and that—that's the thing about it. We we are now in a weird sort of place where we don't know how things. So I say, like, so for March, you know, I, I had a I had a year full of school visits, company visits, like the, the whole shebang. Like it was really really good and. I just, like I said, I felt like this year there was a sea of change going on. It, mm -hmm. Conversations just started changing. People's mindsets just started changing uh, from the, some of the people, conversations I was having with people. And I was just like, wow, like we, we were on a sea change here. And then COVID happened, and I was just like, wow, mm -hmm. that's just put the curve number, like put the ball right back at one now. Absolutely. Because yeah. as far as everyone's concerned now, it's the recovery of the nation that we need to consideration. 
race and culture, that's going to be the back of the line again, sort of thing. And then George, like George Floyd loses his life. You know, my condolences. You know, I was horrified. It's rocked my world. It's rocked my world. Since that's happened, it's rocked my world in such a way that nothing before has rocked my world in that way for a very long time. So, but from this now, like I said, it's, it's just, it's like someone's poured gasoline onto my fire now and I'm just burning to enforce change. Like I said, my son is not going to fight this battle. He's not going to have this weight on his shoulder. And it is a weight. It is a way, and it is it is a boulder to carry. But yeah, if I've got to stand up, my back strong to carry it, then I will do that, and I want to do it to the best of my ability. Because yeah, as I said, now's the time. Now's the time. Let's go. Now's yeah, I mean, time. whilst we're talking about this new normal, why can't the new normal be with change? Yep. Yep. Um, perfect opportunity. We're pressing the reset button. Everything that we know, yep. you know, yep. the way that we walk down the streets changing, the yep. way that we go into shops are changing. Yep. Well, why not the way that we treat between people of and public change? Yeah, yep. you know, let, let, let's do it. Let's 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 put some change together. Yeah. But, um. No, Stuart. Thank thank you so much for, no, for your time. Um. No, I'll make sure that I uh, tweet out the link to you so you can forward yeah, it on. Yeah, and I'll, I'll retweet up as well. As I said, just just to all the kids, like I said, it's, it starts with you. Like you are the you are the hope. You are the driving force now to ensure to hold us adults to account. That's what I want young people to do. You know, hold the adults around you to account. What are you doing? How are you helping? And I'm not asking them to do it in an aggressive way, you know, or a derogatory way. Just ask the question. How are we helping? How are we helping? How are we going to ensure that this time things are different for forever? How, that, that's what we need young people to do because the more they do that, the more we as adults have to get things right this time. 100%. Hundred percent. You say it's 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 not a children's fight. It, it's it's the adults' no. fight. We've got to change before yeah. before they do, um, because yeah. otherwise we're just passing on our our philosophies and imagery to them, isn't it? And it's yeah. and the cycle starts again. And then you know yeah. your son's got to be in the same position that you are right now, and yeah, you know, he shouldn't have to be in that position at all. No, not at all. He's not going to be. I'm going to have to be. I'm going to affirm it into his life. He's not going to be. He's not going to be fighting this fight. And you know his surname is Lawrence, so therefore. You know, God rest my soul when I get there. But I don't want people to look at him for that. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's what it is that's to me. You know, he's for that, you know, he's to, he's to be looked at to be the next leader, the next prime minister. You know, the next CEO of the you know the next blue chip company. That's what he needs to be looked at, mm-hmm. and rightly free so for all the hard work and all the dedication he's putting through his life to get him there. You know, it's, it's not out of any given token. Mm-hmm. He'll have to work hard to get there. And that's the, that's what I'm trying to instill in him, that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. That's my mantra to my son. Like, it ain't about skin. It's about hard work. You work hard and all the good things out of life will come out of it. 100% agree. I, I couldn't put that any better myself, Stuart. <laughs> no, honestly, th- thank you so much for, for your time. Um, and again, I'll, I'll be in touch shortly. Yeah, please do. Yeah, absolutely. Do. I mean, if I could shake your hands, I, I, I would. <laughs> Shake. Should we do an involuntary fist bump? Please? Oh, yeah, fist bump. Here we go, buddy, man. Fun, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, honestly, thank you for your time. I know you've no, said, Thank um, you for allowing the platform. Thank you for what you're doing as a teacher as well, because I need more teachers like you. That's what I'm. That's what it's about. That's why I do what I do on Twitter. That's why when I see positive comments about Stephen or, or people trying to do Steve, I see where I can help and fit in to amplify what you're doing, because that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. We need to amplify the good people and mute the people that are negative. They need to go and mute. Like, that's what it's about for me. I mean, we can say we'll do it again in a couple of weeks and we'll see if we can actually say, do you know what? Yeah, change has started to happen and we'll... Yeah, definitely. Well, I've got some more bits of press to do, so keep your eyes peeled. But that's where I'm pressing at the moment. Like, I, I need to sit down at the table. We, we, we need to sit down at the table with our leaders and I need to hear so I can relate to the people what the change is going to look like. How are we going to do this? And that's my message. And that for all the channels and all that I'm doing now, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, I don't want to talk to uh, a minister. I want to talk to Boris. You're the main guy. Whoever's the head of the food chain, I will sit down and talk to you. And I want to understand from you what we are going to do about this once and for all to effect change. So your legacy and your mantra could be, oh, do you know what? 
Boris Johnson was the one that effect change. If that's what you want your legacy to be, cool. Or your legacy could be Boris Johnson was had a perfect opportunity to do something and he didn't do it. Oh well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um I hope I hope I do speak to you again soon because it's it, Yeah, hundred percent. Let's keep talking. Let's keep talking. Absolutely. I mean the the from when I covered Stephen's story in citizenship, it was always something that I wanted to build into my curriculum because I thought it was a, a vital piece of, of history that needed to be there. Um, yeah. Especially all of the sort of the double jeopardy rules that came out of it. And yeah. you know, I, th- I thought it was really sort of a, a very, very good case study, if, if you don't mind me calling that. Oh. Um, just just to show my pupils, you know, what's gone on in history. And it, it comes back to that argument again. We need to see what's gone on in history so we know how yeah. to, to move forward. Um, but let's hopefully we move forward. And yeah, hope again, when I speak to you again in a couple of weeks or months or in the distant future, that we can say that something has started. Yes, definitely. That's my hope. Definitely. That's my yeah. hope. Thank you from me and thank you from, from my pupils just for. No, as I said, guys, doing the good work, keep working hard, and yeah, work hard because you know, even if you've got an ounce of talent about something, there's someone else somewhere else that's looking at you going, I want to be like him, I want to be better than her. So therefore, you've just got to keep working at it. That's that's what it is. That's and cool. I've also, also say as well, if you've got any particular pupils you feel that have asked a good question or has done something in particular poignant, then I do have these little. Uh, I've got one badge that says SL on it. I don't know if you can see that. Absolutely. And I've got this other one uh, for Stephen Lawrence Day as well, which I can send to you in the post to your students that you think have maybe done something or said or add something to the discussion that you think is poignant just to say to them as a little memento from me. I mean, is it my badge collection that's sort of got you going there? And I should send you one as well, sir. I should send you two as well. Thank you very much. Nice little subtle hint there. You know, I'll just put them on display for you. (laughs) Don't forget me. Don't forget me. Yeah, I want one too. Yeah, I'll drop drop you a line and um, we'll we'll sort that out and we'll sort of come back in a couple of weeks and see what's happened. Excellent. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks for your time. Oh, thank you very much. Have a good day, buddy. And you. Alright, see you later. Bye bye. Wow, uh, what a guy. Um, hopefully, you found that useful. Um, and again, if you've got any more questions about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement or any questions for Stuart, you know, we said there we'll we'll get back together in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm in contact with Stuart. So if you want to send in the questions, you can use the hashtag CUSEPI2, which is down there. And also, you can follow Stuart and myself on Twitter. I hope that you have found this insightful. And again, if you've got any questions, follow the hashtag, follow the podcast, and I will see you again this time next week when we will look at another sit-up straight. Thanks very much for listening.